to Spark Science. I'm your host, Regina Barbara DeGraff. I teach physics and astronomy at Western Washington University. And this episode was recorded right before the current quarantine. In February, we held a live show at WW to talk about seasonal affective disorder, or SAD as it's sometimes called. This show not only focuses on SAD, but gives advice on how to deal with depression, grief, and anxiety. We hope this episode will provide you with some tools to combat feelings many of us are going through right now. Also, during this time of social distancing, you can close your eyes and imagine you're also at the live show with, let's say, a huge audience. Welcome to Spark Science. This is our, one of our first live recordings in a very long time. How are you all doing? Um, I'm Regina Barbara DeGraff. I'm your host for today. I am teaching physics and astronomy and science communication here at Western Washington University. But I'm here today with um, my friend and colleague, the new executive director for counseling, health, and wellness here at Western Washington University, Dr. Cecilina Ledbetter. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to clap for you. Thank you. And uh, you are also the host of a show called Healthy Mind for almost nine years yes. at uh, UDC TV. Correct. Right? In That's Washington, right. D.C. In Washington, D.C. So uh, welcome to our show. And what we're going to talk about today is uh, seasonal affective disorder. Yes. Right? So this yes. is a serious topic, but we're going to try to have fun and we're going to try to give people tips on what to do. That's right. And then give our audience some time. We have a live audience. You, you all heard them in our intro right there, yeah. and they're going to be able to ask questions after we kind of discuss and fall, in, right. fall into our conversation holes. That's right. Excellent. So one of the things we can do is we can get the pulse of the audience. Yes. And we can ask them how they feel. Let's do that. Because they were like, woo! Because I made them. See, you made them. Yeah. So let's see for real. <laughs> yes, for real. How, how are you feeling? feel. Oh, it's starting to populate. Yeah, look, look at, at that. that. It's okay. You can be honest. If you're sad, you're sad. That's yeah, the point yeah. of this show. Yeah. I'm a little sad. Well, this actually has been a really tough month and a tough season for people with seasonal affective disorder. So the, the truth is it's a, it's, a, it's a disorder that seems like depression. It acts like depression and presents like depression where you may feel listless, um, tired, um, your rhythms are off, your diet is off, your sleep patterns are off. I see some smiles, I'm not gonna look at you. Um, but it can really throw, throw you off. And so the disorder is typically diagnosed by the doctor. Self-diagnosis is not recommended. And, um, yeah. but, it's, but, it's, it, but it's real. And it happens right around winter solstice. Like right around December 21st, shortest day of the year. How many of you already knew that? It's the shortest day of the year, yep. and that's when the days become really short. Did you did you want to do another poll? I, I mean, we can. we're kind of I mean we're kind of in the middle here. Yeah, I I are. was expecting this. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next poll you wanted to ask into the audience was, what do we have? yeah, what do we have? Do you know anyone with what Doctor uh, Ledbetter just described? Yeah. Well, I'm not diagnosing, but I can. Do you know anyone who has? Who, yeah. you know, who has that? Yeah. Look at that. You see that? So it's pervasive, right? There are a lot of people. I wonder if it's because we're in Bellingham. What do you think? So we're going we're gonna to get into kind of more about seasonal affective disorder. We're going to talk about really tips on how to deal with them. But before, yeah. I, before we do that, and for those of you who have listened to Spark Science before, we go into people's backgrounds. We're like, how did you actually get to 
basically work as an executive director of counseling, health and wellness here at Western? Like, what was your path like? Did you always want to deal with health? So I think that is a great question. It has been uh, an indirect path. It's been kind of circuitous, okay? So I did my first therapy session when I was seven. And I remember it very clearly because I remember walking in a field. I was living at the time in North Carolina. And there was a, a, a young lady who, she was probably seven too, but I remember this. I remember talking to her and saying, I, you know, she was experiencing some kind of loss, like seven-year-old loss. And I just remember saying to her, you're gonna, people are going to talk about you, so really, so stop crying. And I literally Ooh. remember that. But fast forward like 20 years, now I'm in yeah. college and I'm a psychology major and I'm thinking, you know, this psychology thing is pretty cool, but I didn't like the deficit base. So for undergraduate, I did psychology. For graduate school, I did social psychology. And so when I say I'm a doctor, but I'm not a physician, I just play one on TV, it is absolutely for real. So I did, so, so now this is even a more interesting twist. But well, let's I, explain what the deficit model is real quick. Cause you- The deficit model you, for psychology. So yeah. instead of going into clinical psychology, because the deficit model looks at what's wrong with you. Right? And I was already that person that is an over-assessor. I assess, I'm looking, I'm curious. And so becoming a psychologist, at least when I was in graduate school, it was all, uh, all about the, the negative disorders, right? Bipolar, schizophrenia, what is wrong, how can, you know, and you know, it, it just felt like a way to find what was wrong with people instead of what can you do well? Even if you have a disorder, what can you do well? And psychology was not about that. It was all about what was wrong and, it, and you just focused on that all the time. So I decided to become a social psychologist as a result and understand the research behind what clinicians actually do. So I did, I did research and then I you know, decided that I was gonna transition into- TV. Um, TV, I did TV, I became a faculty member, I became an administrator, an associate vice president for student affairs and um, a director of the counseling center. So I've done a whole lot of that. And then they called me and said, do you want to come to Bellingham to work at Western Washington University? And you just got on the plane. And I just got on the plane. <laughs> I just got on the plane. Actually, I didn't know anything about Western. I didn't know anything about Bellingham, but I do have a, a cousin who was in the Navy. But yeah, so I came to Bellingham and this was the only place in Washington that I had been. So, and that's how I came to Western. Wow. And I'm just excited because we have an amazing team serving all of you and we are integrating health, student health and wellness. So let's, let's, then let's get to like, what can you do then? So we have a lot of students here, we have faculty yeah. here, we have staff here that are like, this is affecting me. This so what, affecting do, what me. do we do? So part of what this, this disorder is and other mental illness and mental challenges is really checking in with yourself and making sure that you know yourself. Like you can go to a doctor and spend time, but when you're especially dealing with a disorder that is seasonal, you are really going to be the first person to check in, to say, my sleep patterns are off and I'm not quite sure what's going on. I'm putting on extra pounds, I'm craving carbs, I don't understand what's going on with me and I need to check in and figure out what's going on with myself first and then get in front of a, a, a psychiatrist, or not psychiatrist, not first, a psychologist or a therapist that might be able to help you with talk therapy or light therapy. 
So, so let's talk yeah, about some of, the, the tips. some of the tips. I'm going to give you some tips on how to make it through this season. And if any of these tips resonate with you as we go through them, this might be a good place to show your cards. Um, exercise, because exercise is really amazing at helping us um, really for everything, right? Um, and, but it helps to boost those serotonin levels, which regulate. They really, it regulates the, um, the, the sleep hormone, right? The sleep hormone, the eat hormone, all of those hormonal changes that go on in your body that keep you kind of moving and regulate those rhythms, they are really thrown off during this season and exercise can get you back on track. Um, I will, can I ask you a question yeah. about exercise? Because when you said, before we even get to the other ones, um, I don't know if anybody in the audience is, hears this, but it's not just seasonal affective disorder, but like if you have anxiety or you have thoughts where you get stuck on that neuro, you know, I've, I've had neuroscientists and they're like, if you, if you have these thought patterns where it goes straight to like negative thoughts, right? And you're like, and exercise will stop you from kind of going down that path. Absolutely. So like, that's right. Yeah. It's a great I don't know regulator. if you want to add to that. It's a mood regulator. Yeah. So in, in exercise, what it does is many things in the body. And it also, if, if anyone has noticed, exercise kind of regulates your breathing. Have you ever noticed that? Like when you're running, your breathing gets into a natural pattern. You can recreate that. There's a thing that we call four square breathing. When you breathe in for four and you breathe out for eight. And you breathe in for four and you breathe out for eight. I feel like making me want you to do it. You can do that. This is what I do with my classes. Right? You breathe in. But what it does is it sort of, it, it kind of relaxes you. And that's what exercise does as well. So it sort of gets you in this pattern. And it's good for everything in your body that might go awry. I cannot ever think of, of a negative um, impact of, of movement. Um, regular sleep schedule. How many of you are on a regular sleep schedule? That's eight hours a day. So Okay, so I see a mix. I see a mix. I see a mix, but so less than 30% of... Um, Americans don't want a regular sleep schedule. Less than, oh, so Less I think this fewer. is pretty good then. We have a good sample. Yeah, we have an absolutely <laughs> great sample um, because uh, we are just so busy doing stuff um, and staying up late and waking up early and particularly during this season when the sun kind of throws you off, um, it is really important to think about sleep. And so as we pivot to light therapy, that is one of the first recommended treatments for seasonal affective disorder. Who knows why? Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> so with seasonal affective disorder, the days are shorter, right? And so you need, you need the, the light in order to um, hit that retina that hits your hypothalamus that creates the serotonin that gets you back into a regular sleep pattern. And so within 10 to 15 minutes of waking up, if you have, if light is the issue and you, and you um, participate or you give yourself light therapy, it, it, and there is a specific, they're about $40 you know, in the store. There is a specific type of light. You don't just go get a light bulb. I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, you know, and, and you're like, it's not working. No, it's not working, yeah. right. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah. What, what do I have? But there's a specific type of light that you use for light therapy, and it's like 10,000 lux, and a sunny day is 50,000 lux. So that's a mm. really, really, um, the first recommended way after seeing someone, right, a therapist that might recommend it for you to get therapy.
talking to Dr. Sis about the stigma of seeing a therapist. Some people, you know, they don't like the idea of therapy because they think, oh, well, people that go to therapy, you know, they're losing it or they're not smart or they're crazy. Well, they'll, they worry about what people think of them. They worry about, yeah, stigma. But yeah. we've done a really good job of yeah. reducing stigma. How many of you now are like proud to say you go to therapy? See? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. I go too. See? But can you, I'm looking for one. So, right? But there's no, in five, maybe even as recent as five years ago, it would not have been popular to raise your hand. Now it's like so popular, like in Hollywood, they're like, oh my gosh, my therapist. Does anyone not want to go to therapy because they think it is too expensive? Hmm. But our first model, we have shifted. How many of you remember the time when the only thing the counseling center did was refer you out? You come in and they refer you. You come in and they refer you. I, I remember. Okay, anyway, I remember. <laughs> I remember, seven, seven months ago, that's what we used to do, but now they actually oh, wow. do full 45 minute sessions. Yeah. Walk in, okay? And so they are transitioning to a therapeutic. Here on campus. Here on campus. Transitioning to a therapeutic model, and you might not. The average student only uses a counseling center nationally five to six times, and then you move on. You get what you need and you move on. Same thing for, um, this, you know, for therapy and whatever types of treatment, don't ever think that, including medication, if, if, if light therapy doesn't work and um, talk therapy, you're still struggling and a psychiatrist then recommends that you go on medication, it is not a life sentence. You can go on medication for two or three months and then when the season is over, you're done, right? I'm not an advocate necessarily of medication, but I'm just saying if it gets to the point where you're down, it's not a life sentence. Yeah. And a lot of people think it is. Okay? So avoid conflict as much as possible. How many of you are um, avoid drama in your lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, I try. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. You probably should use the cards. Yeah. So, uh, you, but Nessa, yes, honestly, it, it, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but the, 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 the truth is the more conflict that you have in your life, the more likely you are to struggle. Um, and so be mindful of that. Consider a gratitude practice. Who has a gratitude practice? I do not. Oh, I love Give us some examples of gratitude practice. I like it. You could have a journal. Oh, okay. Where you, where you journal. So one of the things I do is I actually notice when I'm out. I notice, I notice things. And so Bellingham is very different from Washington, DC. And so it's very different. And so one of the things that I've started doing is because it's really hard to capture how beautiful this area is. Yeah. And so I take a picture every day. So whatever your gratitude practices, there are data that suggests that being more grateful and showing in a gratitude practice actually contributes positively to your own well-being. And so, you know, it could be mindfulness or meditation. I used to start every class with two minutes of mindfulness. How many of you believe me? It's where you I did. I would start every class and it would be a mindfulness activity and we'd have a really and honestly it started at two minutes, but what did they do? What did the class do? <laughs> what happened? Deeper. They want that's right. They wanted deeper, they wanted more. And we ended up doing like seven minutes of, of, Oof, of gratitude. And then the whole class. And the whole class. And what did it do? If they were dysregulated when they came in, by the time we finished our mindfulness practice, they came all the way down. And so that was, and for me, that was a gratitude practice. And I actually, you know, I would, I would wear my Fitbit because I was too cheap for an Apple Watch. 
and I would track my own, like, my, um, my pulse. Yes. And during seasons when I was teaching, it would be down like, an, like seven to 10 points. Wow. Down. Because I was meditating with every class. That's like three or four every day. Consciously grieve, and there's been a lot of grief. Has anybody experienced any grief in this season? Oh my goodness, this has been a really heavy season for grief, right? So just be mindful of that. Don't rush past it, especially if you have seasonal affective disorder. Don't rush past grief. Take a moment and honor that space. Cry those tears, do what it is that you need to do. Forget all of that be strong stuff because that's not even, that's not even scientific, I mean really. Not only is it not scientific, you should cry. When people you love transition into ancestry, you should be able to shed tears, right? But do it in a healthy way. Limit media. Especially social media. I know, I don't even, what is the point? Why should I even ask? You should definitely follow us though um, <laughs> at, uh, at Spark Science Now. At Dr. I know. Sis. I'm just you saying. Should, you should. Just saying. Yeah, at Dr. Sis. Yeah, right there. Right at Spark Science Now. And at Spark Science Now. Right. You hashtag Beyond the Blues. You're, you're enjoying this. Yeah, so, you know, hashtag it. Anyway, but don't go on there. Go ahead. Yep. So, <laughs> so a real, real quick tip. I talking about the, the healthy mind. The, the, I talked to dozens, maybe hundreds of psychologists, and one of the therapists that I interviewed last year said that his number one um, concern now was adolescents that show up, you know I'm saying 17 to 24, and they are either suicidal, having suicidal ideation, or really seriously depressed because of the likes that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. And seriously, you might be subject to it and not even realize it. But check, at, check your body the next time you post something that you feel is meaningful, Check, it, check in with yourself and see, am I a little feeling some kind of way because I only have five likes and 10 likes and I'm looking at, you know, Susie Miller over here. Sorry if that's your name. I don't you know. And, and that person <laughs> There's like two in likes. this room. There might be two Susie Miller. Yeah. But you know what, I, so, so check, before you go, mm, how can they do that? Think about, you know, the world that you live in and how you now define community. Our guest is Dr. Cicelina Ledbetter, who is sharing tips on how to fight depression. Um, ask for help if you need help. Yeah. Ask for help in your community because people don't always know. Don't overcommit. How many of you feel overcommitted? You feel overcommitted? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You feel overcommitted? You got yeah. the hand up and the green sign. Yeah. He's like, oh, overcommitted. Yeah. With family responsibilities, work yeah. responsibilities, class responsibilities. I already told you self-care responsibilities. Now you gotta get a gratitude journal. Now you, I yeah. mean, you gotta walk and you've gotta see the color purple in the field. Yeah. You've got all of these things, now you feel overcommitted. Don't overcommit. Don't overcommit because it really can stress you out, right? What's, gonna, what's the worst that can happen, right? If you just kinda take some things oh, off. And your then plate. I just have this site up here, findtreatment.samsa.gov. You can find a treatment place for um, seasonal affective disorder anywhere in the country by either calling that number or going to that website. That okay. is awesome. Next. What number? Wait, let's uh, let's one eight hundred six six two four three five seven. And you can also contact the crisis text line if you are in crisis at seven four one seven four one. 
Remember people love you and don't always know how to help you and be open to sharing with safe friends, right? Sometimes it doesn't feel safe, does it? Sharing with people, because they don't get it. People don't always get it, what you're going through, right? And then do something that you enjoy. I put the, 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 um, the kids up there because I think at some point we forget to play. How many of you like to play? I mean hard. Right, I mean really play, like dirty, running around, the busted up tire, play hard. That's what I'm talking about. I'm more about. of an and indoor dirty. kid. Get dirty, huh? I'm more of an indoor kid. Indoor? How yeah. do you play? Oh, I know I how play you play. I play video games. And? Uh, I mean, with my kid. Yes, and you play with music. You sing. Uh, don't tell anybody. But it's a lot. Of <laughs> but that's the kind of that's what I'm we, talking we did about. We did karaoke. We did karaoke, and it was it. fun. It but was. don't forget to play. At some point, there's this play switch, right? I am determined. If you see me up around campus and I'm not playing, I'm gonna need you to say something. We used to have this thing at my last institution, and we called it recess. And I <sighs> bought kickballs. That'd be so awesome. And I bought hula hoops. And I bought jump rope. How many of you know how to double dutch? Oh, see, don't, don't, don't. But we bought double dutch ropes and we played and it just really lifted the energy of the atmosphere of the campus. So, I would love to watch this campus try yeah, that. you could do this. Oh, I know, you guys probably wouldn't play with that. Them, no, it would be hilarious, let's do it. You would, would you play? <laughs> Can I see the hands? Because I will find you. Yeah. Would you play? Look at that. Are we, are, so those were the 18 tips that I had. Yeah. The last one was hold on, this too shall pass, right? Whenever you're going through a season, it feels like a dark season. Seasonal affective disorder takes you starting sometime around December 21st when the days are really short. Everybody is pumped up for the holidays, but people that suffer with seasonal affective disorder, they're not as pumped. Notice people, look in their eyes. They may be going down when everybody else is going up. You might not think you can tell, but look in their eyes because you will be able to see. Um, and it goes while, you know, all the way through the holidays when people are um, happy around you and you're still sad. So yeah, just be mindful that if you do have sad, you're getting ready to break out of it. And next year when it's about to happen, you're gonna have all these tips, right? You know, you're not alone in this, so you know. Well, I wanna, I wanna thank you for being on our show. Our first, again, live show in a long, long, long time. We brought in an audience, it's so, I'm so excited. And I wanna thank you again for being here. Thank you, this Ooh. was great. We'd like to thank Dr. Cicelina Ledbetter for taking the time to talk to us and being brave enough to do so in front of a live audience. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Ledbetter's work, you can visit drsis.com, D-R-S-I-S.com. Spark Science is produced in collaboration with KMRE and Western Washington University. Today's episode was recorded on campus at Western Washington University. Our producers are Suzanne Blaze, Robert Clark, and myself, Regina Barbara DeGraff. Our audio engineers are Zarek Coakley, Julia Thorpe, Aaron Howard, and Ariel Shiley. If you missed any of the show, go to our website, sparksciencenow.com. And if there's a science idea you're curious about, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at SparkScienceNow. Thank you for listening to Spark Science. <laughs>